welcome to Social School Podcast, hosted by Kristen Busquette of Your Social Mate, where we come to you every Tuesday with the scoop on what's happening in the world of social media. If you like what you hear today, we have an incredible mentorship program where we help creators monetize their influence that we'd love to chat with you about. So shoot us a DM. While you're here, we'd also love to hear your feedback. If you love this episode, leave our podcast a review. We also post a ton of social media tips on our social media profiles at Your Social Mate and at KBoosk. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 12 of Social Scoop Podcast. This is Kristen, and I, as usual, am here with quite a bit of social media news this week. I feel like, you know, the the new year hit, and all of the social media platforms were like, let's go hard. (laughs) And so there's quite a few different things that I want to go over with you today. So instead of dabbling around here, let's just get right into it. Instagram is testing the ability to move around things on your profile grid in a drag and drop style. Holy crap. If this becomes real, I honestly think this could be really, really awesome. I can see myself using this quite a bit and and you could even like move things around so that your most recent post could be maybe like a post that needs some love or or something like that. I don't know. I feel like there's a million different ways that you could use this. Overall, I think it's really cool. So we'll see where that goes. It is only being tested right now. But this actually got me thinking about something that Instagram could do. So, you know, Instagram, if you're listening, which you're probably not, and actually hopefully you're not because I talk a lot of shit about Instagram. (laughs) But if you are listening, here is a really cool idea. Because Instagram copies a lot of things that TikTok does, why don't they also copy the pinned feature if they were to come out with this ability to drag and drop things around? So say you drag and drop a bunch of your content around, you you know, you put it where it looks right or where you think it will be um, best for your audience. Then you could have three pinned posts at the top of your Instagram, like right under your highlights where you post like you know, your, your three favorite videos. So for me, maybe I would do like an intro. Maybe I would do one that's like, hey, we have a podcast. Here's our new episode. And then maybe I would put even like a sponsored post up there. And that could be a cool add-on even for a brand. Like maybe it's an extra $100 or something for you to put that sponsored post in the pinned videos or the pinned posts. Just an idea. That's definitely not something that I've heard that they're testing or anything, so don't quote me on that. (laughs) However, I just think it would be really cool. Anyway, another Instagram feature that is being currently worked on that I know must already be past the testing phase because I actually have this feature. Instagram is working on a new feature for Reels that is importing audio from any video. So basically, when you go to add music to your reel usually on the top it will say saved and you can go to your saved audio now there's also another section there that basically says import and you'll be able to import from any video on your phone that's at least five seconds long and you'll be able to use that audio as an original audio so i know that a lot of my mentorship students i've had this conversation with where you know they're they're not able to like find the sound that they want to use so this is a really easy way to do it all in the app So definitely something that I would suggest checking if you do have it, because like I said, I actually was making some reels this morning and realized I do have it. Next, a little TikTok news. So TikTok is working on a new option called videos, which like, okay, that does not clarify much. (laughs) 
<laughs> they couldn't have thought of a different name for a feature on a video app at least you will be able to add one or more videos into the description of a video that you publish so i was actually talking with the app tester developer that is actually testing out this feature and basically i asked him so like what does this look like? Once you've published a video down in that bottom area where the caption would typically be, you'll be able to click in there and it will show the videos that you've linked, which I can see this almost being like, you know how on a blog post or on a website when you're reading a blog, at the bottom it will be like related posts and you can click on those. I think this is a really perfect way to basically get the person who's watching that one video to watch potentially four more of your videos. I think you can have four more, he said, to watch that many more of your videos and you don't even have to tell them to go to your page or anything. They're right there just like a blog would link other blog posts. So I love this feature and I really, really hope that it does actually um, come to life on TikTok because I would use it literally in every single one of my videos. So it's going to be called as far as right now, videos and I hope they change the name because I feel like we could get a little bit more creative there. Even like related videos, linked videos, I don't know, but videos just seems very vague. Anyway, Instagram is working on a brand new sticker to be found in the sticker section on stories. It's a small white text bubble style circle with an emoji inside so that people can basically click it and then story react without having to do the swipe up emoji reaction. So I had originally, again, seen this from one of the app developers that I follow and I asked what happens when someone taps this sticker when you put it on your story and he said nothing as of right now um, it's just like in the beginning stages of getting onto the testing platform so we don't know yet but once i have an update i will definitely let you guys know with the chronological feed so we've obviously seen this news and if you've listened to the podcast you've definitely heard this news where instagram will have new home page options so basically you'll be able to toggle between the home feed the following feed, which is basically everyone you follow in chronological order, and then the favorites feed, which is favorite people that you have put into a favorites category, basically. So I was thinking about the chronological feed and I was like, wow, you know, this is so awesome. We haven't had chronological in years. However, there is actually one con to this that I can see happening that we're probably all going to experience, influencer or not. With the chronological feed, think about how many people you're going to see on your feed that you typically never see, right? And, you know, people you followed maybe years ago. In that case, there may be plenty of accounts where they're maybe not relevant to you or their content for whatever reason isn't something you're interested in anymore. You're going to unfollow those people. So, it's good and it's bad. It's good because if people find your account after seeing it chronological and they maybe haven't seen it in a while, kind of forgot they followed you situation, they'll be able to unfollow you, which I know sounds bad. That's actually the bad part. However, it's kind of good because if you're weeding out these people that literally forgot they followed you and haven't really looked at your page in God knows how long anyway, your engagement rate will probably go up. So with the chronological feed, I can actually see engagement going up because of this, but follower number going down. So just in the next six months or so, Adam Masseri did mention they're trying to have this rolled out to everyone by the middle of the year. So by June, July time, 
from now until then, I think it's really important to know that if you are losing a lot of followers, that definitely could be why. But I, again, I don't think it's a bad thing because you're weeding out the people that like, quote unquote, didn't care anyway. You know, so they're gone and they won't be ruining your engagement rate. However, yes, it will definitely hurt to see that number go down, especially when we're all working to get that number up. So just keep that in mind over the next few months as this feature is getting rolled out to more people and tested with more people. You're probably going to see the numbers go down for following. Now, it's interesting. Last episode, I was telling you that Andrew actually got this feature and we were playing around with it and everything. And then yesterday we looked and it's gone. <laughs> so he doesn't have the feature anymore. So I have no idea what's going on there. But, you know, it was cool while it lasted. I still don't have it. But any other news that I get on this, I will, of course, keep you updated. TikTok and Instagram, I think, are the main platforms for most people. But Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube all have actually some really cool stuff happening that I wanted to share with you today. So a lot of the times when I get my social media news and actually a newsletter that I'm subscribed to and get every single day is Social Media Today. They actually did a really cool survey recently that I wanted to share with you. So they surveyed people and in that survey, 43% of people in the poll said that LinkedIn is the platform that they will be working on more in 2022. So of all the platforms that they had listed, I think it was Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Of those four, almost half the people said LinkedIn is one of the platforms they're going to be putting more work into in 2022. And I have to say this surprised me so much because I don't really ever think of LinkedIn as like a platform that I want to put a lot of time into. However, this is the second time in the last seven to 10 days that I've heard someone saying, get on LinkedIn, put work into LinkedIn. So... I can't ignore it anymore. I was looking into it a little bit more and there's actually two really cool new things that are coming to LinkedIn. So first off, they're coming out with LinkedIn for creators and on the page for LinkedIn for creators, it was really vague on exactly what this will offer, but essentially it is a place or a community, I should say, for influencers to kind of connect with each other, which I think are creators to connect with each other, not just influencers, which I think is really cool. And I don't know like the exact details, but I think it's cool that they are putting more of a focus on creators. So they have LinkedIn for creators. They also have LinkedIn um, testing audio rooms right now. So kind of like Clubhouse, you know, you guys remember Clubhouse where we all really loved it for like five seconds and then for whatever reason didn't give a shit about it anymore. <laughs> However, I think more people are looking to have conversations like voice conversations rather than like typing in the comments and things like that. So LinkedIn is testing audio rooms right now. Also, Twitter is is testing audio rooms as well, and I literally just found out that Spotify has audio rooms. Crazy. So, like, every different app, I feel like, is coming out with audio rooms, and again, I'm sure that eventually Instagram will follow suit if this is something that is going to be pretty popular on all of the other apps, but man, I think this is really interesting. And again, I think it just kind of contributes to the fact that like podcasts are becoming so big. People want to hear voices and have human connection. And, and I think that 
for 2022 and beyond. I think audio is going to be really big, just as big as video. Also, one really cool thing that I thought I should mention for anyone who's in the YouTube space, I know a lot more people are getting onto YouTube. I feel like YouTube had a, a huge moment back when like beauty bloggers and things like that first started and then it fizzled for a little while. But again, I've heard more and more about people getting back on YouTube and things like that recently. So if you are someone who's getting back into YouTube or is already consistent on YouTube, they are launching a media kit edition within the YouTube studio area. Basically, this will help creators better formulate their channel's pitch for potential ad partners in the app. Basically, this new media kit edition will provide shareable summary of your channel's audience and viewer stats, including subscribers, unique viewers, average watch time per clip. I mean, there's a lot of different things in here that you would typically manually have to go and then again put on like a Canva media kit. But for YouTube specifically, they're going to be launching this within YouTube Studio so that brands can actually check on this media kit on YouTube, which is really cool. So it also will allow you to select four featured videos to showcase in this like media kit display just in case, you know, you want brands to see like the different types of videos that you create or examples of what they could possibly see if you partner with them. So this is really cool. And it also lists out previous paid partnerships for additional reference as well. So, you know, if brands want to see like previous partnerships that you've done, they can actually just click on those videos really quickly. You won't have to send like a list of your previous sponsored videos or anything like that. So again, really cool feature. And I would love to see a media kit option on all platforms that creators are working on. And again, maybe down the road somewhere we will, but I'm really happy that YouTube is taking the first step because this is the first step in acknowledging that you know, influencers are <laughs> like real businesses. So without further ado, let's dive right into the rest of the episode. It is with one of my lovely friends, Marissa, who's actually the reason why I live in Charlotte today. And she has just been such a help with social media in general. She is launching a brand new branch of her business that will be so relevant for anyone listening right now. So definitely give the rest of the episode a listen and I hope you enjoy. All right, guys. So we are here today with my lovely friend, Marissa, who actually is the reason why I moved to Charlotte. Marissa and I have known each other for a very long time now. I actually, I don't even know how long, but it's been a very long time. And she is an amazing designer. She's a website builder. She's a branding expert, a little bit of everything. So Marissa, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I was thinking today, I think it's actually 10 years that we've known each other because (laughs) we're going to be roommates at FIT. Yeah, that's insane. That really feels like it was so long ago. But yeah, I mean, Marissa moved to Charlotte and then she had just talked Charlotte up to me. So we came down to visit and I was like, all right, we'll move. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you did. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was like the best decision ever. So yeah, I mean, I think for making me move. It worked out really well. Now you're trying to get all your other friends to move and I'm trying to get all my other friends to move. so. (laughs) So I would love to start off by hearing a little bit about your background and also your business that you have now. Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up kind of like you right outside of New York. I started working in the fashion industry at like 15. And I like to say that by 21, I had every experience I could have wanted in the industry. And I just was feeling really unfulfilled. Like I wasn't helping anyone. I wasn't serving anyone. It was just very corporate. 
And so in 2016, well, in 2015, actually, was when I decided to leave the corporate fashion industry and kind of go out on my own. And when we started our business, Rise Creative, it was completely full service marketing. We did everything, social media, PR, emailed everything. And within the last three years, we've kind of decided to niche down into design and strategy because that's what I love most. And I feel like it's what we do best. So we take a really unique approach to design because we have that marketing background. And so I like to say we are a strategic design studio. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Actually, just while you were saying that, I was thinking, it's funny to think how similar you and I are, because I remember back when I don't know. You must have been living in Jersey at this point. When I was in college, I remember you had a website where you would like highlight different entrepreneurs and stuff. So I remember like doing a photo shoot with you in Central Park, like all these other things. But yeah, right. That was so long ago. Yeah. It's so funny to think about like how I feel like both of us are just, I don't know if like serial entrepreneurs is the right term, but like we just love our jobs like we love working I think you probably could agree saying you get a lot of fulfillment out of your job you know like it makes you feel really good (laughs) yeah I mean I like look forward to working and I think I feel like my life would be like there would be an empty hole if I didn't do what I do you know same yeah I feel exactly the same and it's funny because again we're very similar where like I know you don't clock out at five o'clock most days like but it's it doesn't feel like work because you really love what you're doing so you know I think we're both lucky to be in that position first of all but was it super scary when you first went from corporate to like owning your own company because you know like obviously you were going out there with the experience that you had from your corporate jobs but like owning your own company is a whole different beast so was that like kind of a crazy experience it was really interesting like it was a weird time in my life because my parents had just moved to North Carolina and they kind of gave me not like an ultimatum but like the you know choice of like, look, this is the only time in your life where if you want to start this business, like live with us for six months, get it off the ground and then you see what happens. And I think I was just like, so hungry for it to work. Like working for someone else didn't seem like an option. Like I did not want to be in that position again. And so it was also a different time where a lot of my business was built on what we would now call like cold emailing. Like I would literally just email people and say like, I love what you do and this is what I offer. And I'm really lucky that at that time it wasn't kind of spammy, I guess, like it was coming (laughs) from an authentic place. So I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't really scary. I think in my head, I mean, I, like you said, we're very similar. I've always been like you in that, like, I know whatever I do, I'm going to make it work. And so I think it was just a matter of like, how, what does this look like? You know, how long is it going to take? And it's, you know, grown and changed since then, obviously. But I think if you like love what you want to do enough and it's like the only option, then you make it work. Right. And I think it's also like such a, not to get like corny and deep, but like, it's, it's very much like believing in yourself and your abilities, because like you said, I think about this all the time, like starting my business again, like there really was no other option than I'm going to make it work. You know, like I was confident enough that I would be able to find a way to whatever shit that I got into, like I'll find a way out of it. And that confidence and like, I'm going to make it work no matter what. I think you have to go into starting a business like that. Oh yeah. Or else you just, I don't know what kind of situations you're going to get into. 
Right. And that's not to say like, I mean, I definitely had like imposter syndrome and things like that. I mean, I was young and I mean, I think when I tell people like I worked in corporate fashion for like seven years, you know, and then they find out I started when I'm 15, they're like, oh, well, you were so young. Like, what did you really learn? But that was my entire life for so long. And so I definitely dealt with the imposter syndrome and you know, feeling like when I would get on podcasts like this, like seven years ago, I would be like, I'm just, I'm a baby. Like people probably hear me (laughs) and think, you know, what does she know? So I think it does take a while to really become confident in like where you are in your business. And now, I mean, you know, I know that the approach that we take is unique. I know that we know our stuff and that we see the results in our clients. And so I think, you know, that imposter syndrome isn't so much present anymore but I mean if you feeling it in the beginning of your business like you're definitely not alone yeah oh 100 (laughs) percent. I feel like if you don't feel it there's a bigger problem there yeah so I I want to talk more about your businesses but one thing that you actually brought up that I think is really interesting is the idea of when you start your business you want to do it all you want to offer it all because you don't have any clients so you want to be able to have as many doors open so that as many people can possibly, you know, come through them. And I did the same thing like with social media. Again, we used to do social media management business for businesses, influencers. I mean, like we tried to do it all photography, content creation, all of it, because I didn't want like, it's stuff that I could do. So I didn't want to say, no, we don't offer it. But Mm -hmm. I think once we like really nailed down what we were doing really well, and now we just offer influencer coaching I'm able to actually have a lot more clients because we're specializing in something. And I feel like you kind of did the same thing with both Rise when you went from doing like email, social media, all of this to just like, I'm I'm a design and strategy expert. And then also with Cultivate too. So like, I'd love to have you kind of touch on that and then also introduce us to Cultivate a little bit. Yeah, sure. So I think when you're doing, there's like a saying when you're doing too many things, like, are you really doing any of them well? And also like, you have to think of the level of involvement that you want in someone else's business. And I think when you're managing their day-to-day social media, managing their emails, like it's really hard to mentally be present in that many people's businesses at the same time. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And like, while we did it and, you know, it was a great experience and I loved everyone that we worked with, it got to the point where you're just feeling pulled in a million directions. And at the same time, like you said, you can't be involved in your own business and like really connecting with your followers, really connecting with your potential customers when you're just spread so thin. And so I really had to go back to the drawing board of like, number one, what do I love to do the most? And out of everything we were doing, design and, you know, the, the marketing strategy behind it was really what kind of drove me. And so It was scary niching down because you never know, like you said, when you offer all these services, you have a million doors open for all these customers. But I really believe that when you hone in and you niche down, you're going to connect so much better with the customers that you do get. And people are going to come to you for that specialty. And so it really sets you apart from people who do offer everything. Um, And then I can say, you know, why, why work with us over another design studio? Because we do X, Y, Z, you know, like we really have a niche. It's almost like, I think of it like a restaurant. Like, you know, when you go to a restaurant and they have every kind of food on the meal, on the menu, you're just like, oh, this must all just be like frozen stuff they have in the back. But like, (laughs) you go to a restaurant like Bossy Beulah's that has only a chicken sandwich and you're like, that must be the best chicken sandwich ever to exist. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, so with Cultivate, so let me introduce Cultivate, I guess. So Cultivate is our new branch of Rise. 
And when we started Rise, we were doing all these things, right? And we worked on both the influencer and the brand side. So we represented influencers. We helped with brand deals. We helped with campaigns. We planned their content and we did the same thing for brands. But when we scaled down to just design and strategy, we really focused more heavily on the product-based side, whether that's digital, physical, and that's just the nature of, you know, planning launches and planning product design and package design and things like that. Um, But over the last year, actually, I really think since COVID, so many people have started personal brands and we've had the pleasure of working with a handful of really great influencers since then. And you know, these influencers, you're building this extremely engaged community that you have this great opportunity to take your business beyond content and launch products again, whether that's physical or digital. And so, you know, one getting to work with more personal brands, influencers, content creators has been so much fun because you guys have this insane creativity. You have this amazing marketing knowledge and, you know, social media knowledge and marrying that with like our design just creates amazing things, but also, you know, seeing how the creator economy has blown up. It's, I feel like only natural for us to kind of take what we know about designing and creating products in a strategic way and your, you know, marketing and content knowledge and, it's going to create beautiful things. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, influencers are super versatile, so it's probably a lot, I don't want to say easier, but I think more of like a seamless collaboration for you guys to work with influencers who already like know their brand. They know like, you know, what their audience likes, they know what they do best. And to bring all of that to you guys, I feel like it's kind of serving it on a silver platter because how many times do you work with clients who are like, I have literally no idea, but here's my product. Right. <laughs> just like yeah. do what you will with it, which may be a cool situation too, because then you have a lot of creative freedom, yeah. but I think it's cool to be able to like, just take what is already done and just like make your version of it almost, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so with Rise, I mean, Rise has really been building brands from the ground up and with Cultivate, it's more about not to be cheesy, but cultivating the community that you already have to take that business beyond content. And so it is, it is really interesting when influencers come to us because you do know yourself so well, you know, your audience so well, you know, what kind of content you put out there and it almost takes like the burden off of us to like teach more of that strategy and that the marketing side of things because you already know it. And so it's like, let's just create something really amazing that you can then present to your audience and build from there. Right. Yeah, no. And I actually want to back it up a little bit because one thing that I feel like I actually have to clarify to people a lot when we're working through the mentorship program, because we do touch on branding. And when I say branding, I feel like so many people just think like colors, fonts, logos. What is your definition of branding? Yeah. So I would say branding in general is how you present yourself to the world, but that can be so many things, right? So it's the messaging you use, the words you use to connect with your audience, your visuals, your content. You know, in my case, like we obviously are more of a design studio. So we use like marketing analytics in order to, you know, back the words and visuals that you're using to connect with your target audience. But I think there's so many parts of a brand. I mean, So for example, like, you know, that you really love like more retro fashion, you love getting creative with your outfits, you love thrifting, like you've built this brand around almost like content pillars, right. That you like to put out there and that your audience connects with. So while you may be sitting there feeling like I don't have a brand because I don't have a logo, I don't have colors, fonts, this amazing website, you already have somewhat of a brand. It's just about 
create making that in a way that you can then translate it to your audience through those visuals through messaging and you know bring everything together yeah and I think one thing that actually would probably be really helpful for an influencer to have you help with like when they're working with you too is like like you said, a lot of influencers may not feel like they have a brand because they don't have a logo and all that. But like when you look at a page from an outside perspective, you can probably pull things right from there that, you know, you see as someone in the audience that you're like, oh, this is how this person is branded that they may not even realize they're doing. So I think it's kind of cool for you to be an outside perspective and be like, oh yeah, like I know exactly what fonts, colors, logos, all of that kind of stuff for your website and all of this, because like as an outsider, like I can see yeah. exactly how you present yourself, even though sometimes for the actual influencer, it's, it's hard. Cause you like, you know, you're a human. You don't really think about like branding yourself as a brand. Cause you're just a person, but from an outside perspective, I think it really is helpful to have that, you know, like input. Yeah. I always wonder for influencers if it's weird. Like, so for example, I worked with an influencer in last spring, her blog is Emma's thing. And yes, I saw I- that. Yeah, I followed her for like years and I'm like, I feel like I know her because I follow her and I'm like part of her community. So when she came to me, I was like, is this weird that I like feel like I already know you? I mean, I'm sure because you don't know all of your followers, you know, but they're (laughs) so engaged with your life. Um, But it is, I mean, it's that, it's that persona that you're putting out there, whether it's just authentically you, or it's more of a branded version, your, your audience is going to connect with that. And so I think already having that audience already gives you an advantage because you have this group of people that you can almost do market research with before you even begin to start, you know, the strategy and design process. Right. You're not a company that like just started a product and has literally zero customer base. Like you already have the people ready. And I think that's one thing that I've at least been thinking about a lot more in the last year, this year, because with Instagram and influencing and all of that, like if we're being honest, we know that it's not going to be what it is forever. So I am always trying to think of different avenues that I can go down so that if one day, for example, Instagram decides to shut down the app and I'm out of job, like at least I, you know, again, through a website, I have a way to talk with my customers still and through product, they can still purchase. Like, you know, I'm still able to keep connections just in case anything goes on. So I definitely see a lot more influencers, you know, going into businesses, whether it's products or services. And I feel like those who are not already thinking about it probably kind of should be. Yeah. And if you think about like the brand recognition that those companies get when they're started, like if you think about like Alani New and Story and all the businesses that Katie Hearn has started, like they blew up because she already had that platform and because people already trusted what she was putting out there, like in the fitness space or another example, I like to use Danny Austin just started Divi, which is a hair serum brand. And for years, she's been sharing her hair loss journey. She's been um, giving back to people who are dealing with hair loss, whether it's from illnesses or whatever it is like postpartum. And so people were already so invested in her story and relating to her story that when she launched that product, it was so natural for them to just just make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it really is. And like you said, if Instagram were to blow up one day, like what do you have left? Which is why having a website, having that central place on the internet is so important. Having an email list is so important. Like we could go on for days about that, but you know, building your business beyond content, I think is really the next step in this, in this industry. Yeah. And again, like influencers have so much power and so much, not like, you know, not like power, like 
you know, purchasing they're so power. cool, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like purchasing power. Like you already have this audience, you have all this marketing knowledge, you have your branding knowledge. Like it just makes sense for you to find out what is the product that your audience is going to like and just try and find a way, you know, that something you enjoy too, that you can make it work. So I want to move on to talking a little bit about design. So something that you do a little bit differently in your business versus a lot of other like designers that I see online is like, you don't offer like just a logo. And I'm sure you get messages like that all the time of like, oh, I just need a logo. Mm -hmm. And I think that the reasoning behind this is really cool. So I'd love to have you kind of touch on that. Yeah. So, I mean, the short answer is that just a logo is not enough to sustain your business long-term. I like to use the example of Legally Blonde and when she shows up to the party way overdressed in her Halloween costume, that's what, you know, putting out a logo without the strategy, without the branding package (laughs) does. Because if you haven't done the research into like who you're presenting to, how to best relate to them, your competitors, your allies, and how to differentiate yourself from others, then just a pretty logo is going to be baseless and really have no guarantee of connecting with your followers. So we do all of that research upfront so that we not only create you like this visually stunning and aesthetically pleasing brand package, because we do live in a very visual time. And that includes, you know, multiple logo types that you can use on every platform, social media, mail, website, everything like that, but that you know that those visuals are going to connect with your followers because we've done that research up front and beforehand. And so you're not, you know, in putting this big investment up front and in two years down the road, you're like, crap, this, you know, this isn't enough. You're really building that solid foundation for your brand so that you can just continue to build off of that and thrive for years to come. Yeah. And again, I think that's a really smart move on your part. Again, like kind of still niching down to being like, I'm not just a logo designer. Like I'm here to be so involved in this whole branding process that I can like, you know, help your customers understand like who you are, what they're going to get from you. Like, again, what's your messaging? What's like the vibe you put out there? Like th- yeah. that stuff's also important. If you had just, you know, like a, a typical WordPress website that you got like an Etsy template from and you just plop your logo on there. It's not going to have the same impact as what you're doing where you're really putting together like this full picture of a brand. Yeah. And I mean, not just like knowing on the back end that like all this marketing research was done, but you know, like we're talking about, especially like in this content creation world, everything is so aesthetic. And so, you know, just putting a pretty logo on a basic website, is like not going to do much. Like I've heard so many times that I bought something at the store or I bought something online because the packaging was pretty or because, you know, the product design was incredible. Or I just had a call with a brand this week who they're starting a beauty brand. And they were like, we want something that you are going to keep out on your bathroom counter because it works so nice, you know, like it goes so much beyond just that logo. It's an entire experience. And if you're not providing that experience, someone else is going to be, and they're going to purchase from them instead. Exactly. Like you're going in the cabinet and then this other person is going to be like used every day and you need to buy another bottle. Right. Yeah, no, that, that makes total sense. So with your design business uh, and strategy business rise, as well as cultivate, like what are the exact services that you offer? Like how, how does someone hire you and like, what are the options of what they can do? So specifically we offer brand strategy, brand design, which also includes like package and product design. Cause that's obviously important with products. And then if you're doing digital products, like we 
we do like the PDFs, everything like that as well. Web design and development on all platforms. We have a really good roster of developers that we work with for all platforms. And then creative direction and photo shoot planning, just because if you are launching a product, we really want to make sure that that brand is coming through in all of your visuals. And so that's the extra kind of step that we like to take to make sure that your photos look as good as your branding. Yeah, exactly. No, that that makes a lot of sense. Because again, <laughs> I feel like if you were to do like the whole nice branding thing, and then you just like pull a couple random photos from Instagram, doesn't have the same effect as if you had like really nice photos that actually, you know, coordinated with everything. So for an influencer who is like, you know, I want more and I don't want to just like, you know, do sponsored posts all day. Like I, I do want to have like a product or a service one day. Is there some sort of process they should be going through in order to like figure out what product is right for them? How would you kind of instruct an influencer to go through that? Yeah. So I would say, you know, anytime you want to launch a product or a business, I think that there's, it's an intersection of three questions that you should really ask yourself. And the first is what you're passionate about and what you would love to create because you want to love what you're doing. The second is to ask yourself where you see a hole in the market, because any successful brand really is solving a problem for the consumer. And so you want to make sure you're meeting that need. And then last ask yourself, or you can really even ask your followers because you already have this giant pool of people to get feedback from, you know, ask them what they love and what they feel like they would love to see from you as an extension of your brand. I think that they are one of the best tools that you can really use when it comes to market research, because once it's launched, you're already going to have this huge pool of customers that are interested. So yeah, I would ask yourself those three questions. Yeah. Those are, those are definitely three really good questions that I feel like in general could help you with a lot of things with, with social media, but definitely with starting a product or a service for sure. So if, you know, okay, kind of going down the line, they've, they've asked themselves those questions. They've really figured out like what they, some ideas of what they feel like makes sense at what point in their, you know, product or service launch timeline, should they be like coming to you? So if they have a product idea, should they have like already developed the product and, and done all of that before they come to you or, you know, like how does, how does that work in terms of timeline? Yeah. Good question. So I would say two things like number one, if you're already a content creator and you want to launch a physical and digital product, but you don't really have a personal brand right now, like maybe you're just on Instagram, you don't have a website, you don't really have any branding. I would say it's really, really important to get your personal branding down first, you know, get that website up, get the blog up, like whatever it is, because you want people to have like a place to find you when it comes to launching, you're going to want to build an email list, like things like that. It's really important to have your personal brand down first. So I would say that that's one point to find a designer. And then the second point is kind of what you asked about product development. I would say the best time to reach out as far as product is when you know what your product is and you have already started to kind of put feelers out as far as manufacturing and production. Like for example, if you're launching a beauty brand, but you don't even have your formulas yet, it's going to be really hard for us to design like your packaging and all of that and your labels without having that down. So you really want to know what your product is going to be. And I would say like an ideal timeline would be six to eight months out from your launch because you want to not only have your branding done, but like I said, you want to have time to kind of start your social, get your email list built, things like that. And so yeah, six to eight months is usually ideal. Okay. Yeah. It's funny too, because I think hearing six to eight months sounds like 
a long time because people get so excited about it and they're like, I just want to launch it now. But launching a product or launching a business is not just like a you decide to do it one day. So you just like make a website, you know, like there's so much that goes into it that, you know, you really need that time again to like build the community to, you know, like get all the branding, the strategy, the the actual product, all of that down. So it's it's a long process. It's not it's not an overnight process. That's for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I would say it also depends on like the product that you're making. Like, I mean, if it's a digital product, like if you're selling guides or even like presets or things like that, I'd say, obviously it's like a lot less time. And, you know, when we get into talking about that timing, it's also like a lot of people when it comes to budget, right. A lot of people tend to DIY their brand, you know, like purchase logos on Etsy or create their own in Canva, which I guess is a good option to just like, if you, like you said, if you just want to get it out there and launch it, but I really feel like people who do that and have spending more money in the long run, because you're consistently purchasing things like one-off, like a logo and and maybe something else off Canva and something else off Etsy or creative market. And then a year down the road, you're like, okay, just piece this thing together. I don't feel like this is me. I don't feel like this is really great. And so now I'm going to hire someone and it's like, you wasted all that money up front when you could have just gotten started, you know, the strategic way. way. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I remember hearing from you. I can't remember the number you'll have to tell me, but hearing that, like when you deliver the whole like branding package to your clients, how many files are over 400 usually. (laughs) And that's just like, because we give you so many files, like basically we're giving you every file format you could ever possibly need in every version of your logo, in every color, in every font. So you're getting like everything you could possibly need basically in that package. And imagine if you were to try and do that yourself on Canva. (laughs) I would never want to do that. I would just be like, that's again, like I I've talked about this before. Like, I think it's so important to like outsource that kind of stuff where you could build, you know, the whole design and, and branding strategy and everything in probably a couple days versus yeah. me. It's going to take me so much longer because it's, I have to learn how to do certain things on Photoshop and da, 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 da. like, you know, sometimes if you can recognize like what are not your strengths necessarily yes. oh, yeah. and just outsource those things again, it saves you time, energy, money, all of those things in the long run. And oh, yeah. actually I do want to touch on doing things quickly because you have your designer, uh, design intensive that I did. And so I wanted to have you kind of explain the process and then we can kind of talk about how my website went and everything. Yeah. So our design intensive is a really uh, timeline friendly option, I like to say, and it's also Mm -hmm. more budget friendly. So basically how the design intensive works is you're booking us out for one to three days, depending on the size of your project. And we are completely dedicated to your project for those amount of days. And so the idea behind it is a lot of times, you know, maybe you did work with a designer who gave you just a logo and you feel like I don't have a full brand, or maybe you're like, all right, I have a brand, but I need some kind of website. You know, we talk about content creators going back and forth on, should I have a website? Should I not? And so, you know, if you already have those assets, it's really easy for us to then just design a website and build it from there. So the design intensive is kind of filling in those gaps and allowing you to feel like you have a more well-rounded brand without making this huge investment in like a full design and development package. And it does definitely, you know, vary depending on the, you know, web platform and things like that. So with us, like we built your social mate website on Squarespace and we were able to use the branding you already had and design and develop that in three days. And I mean, I love the outcome. I hope you love it too. I do. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so happy with it. It's funny because 
I had actually, again, like not really taken my own advice. And I was like, no, I don't want to spend the money. Like I'm going to just really learn how to, you know, make this look nice. And, you know, it did the trick for a while. We had, I mean, we had the same website for over a year. Yeah. Probably even a little bit longer than that. And then there came a point where I looked at the website and I was like, dude, this does not look that professional. Like, I don't know why people are trusting me if they're just looking at my website right now. And I realized, you know, I have all the branding and everything. So I really just need someone to like put my website together in a way that is not only like beautiful and, you know, eye catching and all of that, but also like strategically makes sense. Cause again, I don't, I didn't really know what I was doing. I just said, I don't know, this looks good here. We'll throw this here, but it really does make a big difference in terms of just like where things are placed strategically and all of that. So I'm really happy with it. And it was such a quick process too, which was awesome because I'm very impatient. <laughs> yeah. And like, that's the, the design intensive is a good option. Like, you know, you and I worked together before on your messaging. And so I had not only all of the branding that you already had on your own, but we also had all of your copy and messaging done. So it made the process so easy to just put the website together basically designing it in a beautiful and strategic way using everything you already had, which is like the perfect um, way to use the design intensive. A few other ways we've used it. We've done, you know, like a blogger launched a podcast. And so we were able to just put together her podcast website. Again, she pretty much already had like colors, things like that. We did make her logo and then put together the website. And we've done like a pitch deck for a beauty magazine before. It's like a 50 page pitch deck for them to send out to, you know, like sponsors and things like that. So it's the design intensive is a really good way to get what you need design wise on a budget and also on a quick timeline. Yeah. And again, I don't think, I think you are hitting a spot in the market where not a lot of other people are being at a time friendly, you know, Mm -hmm. option as well as a budget friendly option. Because again, a lot of designers, obviously, because they're putting so much work and all of that into it, it can cost thousands and thousands of dollars versus, you know, and also take however many months. So that's, you know, it's a nice option to have for, again, people who are almost there, but just need a little bit of help finishing it up. Oh yeah. And and touching on budget, because I know like that's a question that a lot of people ask. Yes. Um, I was going to ask about that. I would say that the budget really depends on like, obviously what you need and the designer that you choose. I have a free guide not to make a little plug, but I have (laughs) go for it. I have a free download on our website. That's all about hiring the right designer for you. So it's totally not biased as like higher rise. It's completely about like how to find the designer that's going to be the best fit for you. And so, you know, in doing that, knowing that, you know, rise comes from a more strategic marketing background, our pricing tends to be a little bit higher because, you know, we have that long background. We know that we give you a ton of assets that are going to last you a really long time. And so with, with bloggers, like knowing, for example, like WordPress, that's a platform that if you don't have a developer, you're not going to get a beautiful product from it. You really need someone who knows how to build it from the ground up. And same thing, if you're launching a product, like you really want to work with Shopify because it's the best e-commerce platform. It's going to last you the longest. We just had a client and they're a hair care brand who started out on Squarespace and emailed me this week and was like, I have to switch to Shopify because I just need the capabilities that Shopify has. And so again, like you don't want to get down the road and be like, all right, I spent this money on one website and I need a new website. So that's really why like investing in the beginning is really important to make sure that's going to last. So I would say, you know, if you're building a Shopify WordPress website, 
depending on how in-depth like the custom website is, and this is including like your branding, your strategy, your messaging, all of that, I would say all in between like 15 and 20,000 for product-based. Whereas if you're going more towards like a personal blog or like a digital shop on Squarespace or something like that, again, including branding, design, I would say more in like the 10 to 15 range. And obviously, you know, there are designers who are going to be on a lower end budget. It's all again, up to like what you're looking for, what you're looking to get out of it. And like the process that you're looking to go through to make sure that you're set up for the future. Right. And again, like the level of experience I think is, is something that's always going to be worth paying for. Cause like anyone who learns how to use Photoshop can do what they want in terms of design, but like, do they have the marketing background to also you know, do everything in a strategic way instead of just making it look pretty. Like that's a a big difference that I think your business hits on really well. So I have a few fun questions that we can kind of close off our episode with. So my first one is, are there any precautions that influencers should be taking when it comes to using graphic design platforms like Canva? I know you had kind of touched on using Canva a little bit. And I actually just put this question in here because I remember having this conversation with you. So yeah, what what should we know about using Canva? Yeah, so definitely there are precautions. I'm not a lawyer, but I will just say (laughs) based on like my knowledge of Canva. So Canva is a great tool. I use it, you know, like especially when it comes to people who don't have a design background, it's a really good platform for me to provide templates to my clients and then be able to use the templates easily, things like that. In those cases, I'm designing the layout. And so, you know, I I have like proprietary kind of design over that. Right. However, within Canva, there are certain trademark and copyright laws. So if you log on to Canva and you go to elements and you pick, you know, some, some illustrations and incorporate that into a logo, you actually don't own your logo because Canva owns those um, elements, those graphics, it's all within the Canva brand. So you don't want to like get a few years down the road and realize like you have no legal rights over any of your visuals that could run into some legal trouble. So just something to kind of look out for. Again, I'm not a lawyer, but kind of just knowing the copyright and trademark rules, I would look into that when you're creating anything on Canva. Yeah, like before you before you go in and put all your time into Canva and put your logo all over everything, it's definitely smart to look into that, even with fonts and things like that, because typically you do need to own like the license to a yeah. font in order oh, yeah. to, again, like profit off of it. So with Canva, like you, you don't. <laughs> so yeah. all things to look into. How important do you think it is for an influencer to be well-branded on social media and then like between all the other platforms as well? I mean, with branding, consistency is key because you want that recognition. So you want someone, you know, say that they're two years from now, there's a brand new social media app and your audience opens it and they take one look and they know it's you because they know like your visuals, they know the stuff that you talk about. Obviously you have pink hair, so it's really easy to (laughs) recognize, but you know what I mean? Like you just want that consistency so that people recognize you on all platforms. It's also important, you know, when it comes to marketing yourself to brands, like for collaborations and things like that, if you can show not only are you consistent in your content on all of your platforms, but that you are showing up really well on your, with your audience and that you're getting consistent engagement across all your platforms because of that, it's going to make you that much more appealing to brand collaborations and things like that. 
Oh yeah. hundred percent. I mean, even like I, I tell this to my students all the time. Like I, I think that the branding piece of, of influencing and content creation is one of the most important because you can't build a community, do, you know, brand work. You can't do all of those other things if you don't have the brand right first. And I mean, like, I think about it all the time when I get emails from brands, the first line of every email is always like, oh, we love your bright, colorful page. It's so fun. Like, and, and I've just put that out there for so long that that's become my brand. But it's, it's crazy how every single brand will mention it. So like, it's not, they're paying attention, you know? Yeah, it makes you unique. It makes you stand out. And also, if you think about like, how the brand's strategy is. So for example, if they're a really colorful hair brand, like they're not going to go to someone who has like black, dark branding. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like they're exactly. going to want to, I mean, that's not an insult because I am all black and white in my branding, but, <laughs> yeah. um, but you know what I mean? Like they're going to want to collaborate with someone who has not only that fun content themselves, but they're also going to know that that's something that your audience loves. And so yeah. naturally, why wouldn't they like their brand? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That makes sense. A fun question for you. Are blogs dead? Oh, that's a good question. The I marketing- have such mixed feelings. I don't know. I don't know my yeah. answer. So I would say number one, like blogs in a sense of like having a website for your audience to go to. No, I, that's really important because agreed. you have this like home base for people to come, whether it's just to read more about you, whether it's to find your, your media kit, your pitch deck, like having that central place on the internet for brands for your your followers to come to is really important as far as blogs themselves I, I struggle with that like the marketer in me says no they're not dead you know I mean I still go I don't know it's so go, hard right <laughs> yeah like I still go to blogs to find like if somebody's linking an outfit I mean obviously mm-hmm. there's like like to know it and things like that the reason the marketer in me says no they're not dead is because again, talking about like not just being on one platform, blogs allow you to like make pins that link back to your blog posts, you know, SEO traffic, things like that are going to be really important when it comes to that next step of launching a business beyond your content, because you want people to be finding you through SEO. You want people to be finding you on Pinterest. It's just going to build out your email list, which is again, going to give you more people to launch to when it comes to launching a product. So logistically probably a good idea but when it comes to actually like you know people looking at them every single day right maybe not yeah I think it's more of a place for things to live if people go searching if that makes sense yeah I 100% agree it's we both came from the time when blogs were like before Instagram so like I guess it's just fair to say they're not what they used to be but I still again there are definitely still people who I think do blogging really well that I want to go to their page whenever I have the opportunity and but again I think for at least for me like the reason why I will still post blog posts is because I I know that like that's going to get new traffic to my page of people mm-hmm. who are not just finding me from Instagram you know like from a friend of a friend kind of thing and, right. and I want to have like as much opportunity as possible to get new eyes to my page because yeah. obviously that's going to help me build my brand yeah and I think it does depend on your brand too because I'll use Emma's thing as an example again so Emma she's like in her 30s and I feel like a lot of her audience is in that same stage of life in that same age range and so she'll post like you know wedding updates she'll post 
dating horror story horror stories like she'll just post more story format blog Mm -hmm. posts where like I want to read what she's writing she's also a writer which makes it easier to read but I want to read what she's writing so I'm going to go to her blog and I'm going to read her post because I know they're engaging and I know it's going to be like a fun read so I think it does really depend on your brand like if you're just posting like a lot of fashion content and it would be more appropriate to have them linked on like to know it and obviously you're also getting commissioned from that then obviously that might be a better avenue for you but if you're more of a storyteller or like a fun I don't know you have more of a fun personality to what you're putting out there then maybe long long form content is a good idea for you yeah I agree I think that's a I think that's a fair answer yes and no yeah (laughs) so at the end of all of my 2022 episodes I will be opening the floor for you to ask me one question I felt long and hard about this. Really? Oh (laughs) gosh. No, I actually, I actually was going to ask you this before we got on the podcast. And then when I saw that you wanted me to ask you a question, I was like, perfect. Okay. So I feel like your, everything that you put out is very, everything just works together so well. Like you are on top of your stuff, like your Instagram posts, like you do a really good job at planning out what content you're going to put out there, how you're going to put it out there. And you do so much. And I feel like sometimes I put all of my focus in one place and not, you know, like I'm all on Instagram, but maybe I'm not on Pinterest. Maybe I'm not sending emails. How do you do all of that? How do you make it all consistent (laughs) is the question. (laughs) Okay. Well, I will say one thing that I try and do like with all my photos or all my videos is like I try and have some consistency in the visuals. And I have to say, I think having the pink hair really... Like, not only do I love it, but it actually really helps me in that aspect. Because again, like if I'm up against any background, I have the pink hair, it's already consistent because like, that's kind of the first thing you see. But you know, like even when I'm out shooting photos and things like that, like I always try and find like, you know, a fun background. If it's not a fun background, I have to be wearing something fun. So I think like I've been able to find like what what's my like kind of thing that that sets me apart and is eye catching about my page is always color. So I try and have some aspect of color and everything that I do I actually even just on TikTok I started doing all of my like little labels yeah on the videos I used to do them all red so they would just pop but now I've been doing them in like rainbow order so like the first video Mm -hmm. I'll post is red the next day will be orange yellow so like it again like I think it goes with the whole colorful thing yeah um I mean, in terms of, of visuals, that's I just try and have some sort of colorful element in everything that I do. But in terms of like planning and actual like, where do I delegate my time to? Honestly, I <laughs> like sometimes I really don't know how to answer this question because I just do it. But I am a very organized person because I have like spreadsheets for everything. I write a to-do list every single day. And basically what I try and do is like look at all the places that I want to be. So like Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest comes kind of lower on the list, you know, like working on my blog, working on a newsletter, social mate stuff. And I'll ask myself every day, like, okay, for this piece of my business, like what do I need to accomplish? And and that's what I'll try and kind of like have one piece from every avenue of my business on my to-do list every day so Mm -hmm. that I am kind of like working on each thing at least once a day and I try and like keep an eye on the clock and sometimes I'll even set timers of like okay you know I'm gonna give my myself an hour to work on this because I know you're probably very similar where like if you get really deep into something and you're like having a lot of fun with it and it's going really well and you're excited about it you want to like spend the entire day on it but then you don't touch anything else so 
I try and like say, okay, I'm only delegating an hour to this. And then at the end of the day, once I finish all my other stuff for my other parts of my business, then whatever time I have left, I can like go back into that project and, and go deep in there. But I try just to not spend too much time on one thing or else I literally get nothing else done. That's so interesting because I feel like a lot of people say batch your work, like sit down one day, do all of your Instagram content, but you're saying don't do that. Like don't get stuck I, down I, one thing. Yeah, I like to spread it out. Like I, I don't like to do all of one thing on one day because I feel like if I'm working on the same thing that's maybe like not super exciting to me all day, you know, like I, I don't know. I have to have like some fun stuff put in, put in. Yeah. Did you hear that? Yeah. That was weird. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna edit that out. <laughs> that's awesome. No, that's a great answer because I feel like I, in my head I'm like, okay, I'm gonna batch my work, and then when it comes to like the last Friday of the month when I'm supposed to batch my work, I'm like, I don't want to do this all day. So that's yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and I mean, we've actually even Andrew and I, we usually like shoot every Saturday, so that's kind of the only thing that I do batch. I usually just try and Saturday morning get all my content done, but. I have been brainstorming a new strategy for, I'm going to start in February, that we're actually not going to be batching my content much anymore. Like we'll be doing some of it, but then throughout the week, we'll also be shooting some. So I'm going to be trying out kind of a new system there, but it works out really well with everything else that I do. So maybe not batching my content will also be really awesome, but I don't know. We'll see come February. Yeah. I mean, that's smart. Cause if you think of it from a design perspective, like if I were to sit down and design all of my content in one day and then worry about like scheduling and captions and all that another day, you know, I think it would be a good, good, good workflow. Yeah. That's actually like, that's what I try and tell all my mentorship students to do. Cause I think if you were to try and shoot all your content, write all your captions, put it all on a schedule, get all your hashtags. By the end of the day, your brain is going to be mush and you're going to yeah. not want to like even right. open your eyes anymore. Like, so I try and tell them, like, if you can split it up in today's, like, okay, maybe Monday is your day to go out and shoot the content or plan the content. Then uh, maybe Wednesday, you go out and shoot it. Thursday, you write all your captions. Friday, you get your hashtags and your scheduling done. And then you kind of split it up throughout the whole week, maybe like an hour a day. So then yeah. by the end of the week, you're like, cool, that was actually a lot easier than I thought it would be. Yeah, that's so smart. I have a, I just hired a new like business manager and I need her. She's Ooh. like so on top of her. She can literally run my whole business. She's so on top of her stuff, <laughs> but I need her to like make my calendar so she can hold me accountable to doing all that's of that. That's awesome. Well, again, yeah. like if that's, you know, if that's something that you're, you struggle with, you find yourself just working on one thing for way too long, you're not getting the tasks done that you want to do. Then like, again, if there's someone else that can help you with that yeah. like that I think that was a smart hire you know yeah yeah can I cheat and ask one more question yeah yeah what's up so I feel like on TikTok with accounts it's either like they post like twice and they blow up or <laughs> it's just consistently like low views that slowly creep mm-hmm. up do you feel because I've been trying to work on like my personal TikTok um, uh, yeah I've been watching do you feel like like consistently posting one day it might just go viral or is it just kind of like if it didn't work in the beginning it's not going to be one of those counts you know no I definitely don't believe that like I think I think you have to stick with it I remember when I first started on TikTok 
I posted three times a day for 30 days because yeah, that's, that's what I heard everyone tell me to do. Yeah. And I think I gained maybe like 900 to 1,000 followers the first month. But then from there, I would try and post like, you know, five to seven times a week. And that's what I've been doing now. I only post usually once a day. And one day I'll randomly have a video that'll hit 10, 20,000 views and I'll get an oh, influx cool. of followers and I'll be like, yeah. okay, cool. That was kind of my, my pop in video for the week. Right. The rest have normal views. Maybe next week I have another one. So I think it's, it happens randomly, but you have to just be consistently posting. Yeah. Like I posted a video two days ago, did not think it was going to be anything special. And it got like, I think it's at like 11,000 views today, which is not a crazy amount of views, but I gained like over 500 followers definitely from that one video wow. literally in the last yeah. two days. Yeah. That's so awesome. like it, it's, it hits you randomly. So I, I think you have to just fight through the low views and like, oh, this sucks. No one's watching it. You Once you have videos that start hitting, it, it does happen a lot more consistently, but yeah. you have to be consistently posting content, which is the hardest. Yeah. Part. I think that's what I struggle with because like, I think I struggle with branding my business versus like having a personal brand because I'm not oh. like a content creator or an influencer. Yeah. What is, what is your take on that? Like, do you think that all like entrepreneurs or business owners should also have their own personal brand? Not necessarily, no, because I think there are, like, I think of my friend Nat, who she owns, like, this really cute company where she makes, she just makes, like, a lot of really cool handmade stuff, and she started off as an influencer and then started on her business, Whatever Lola, and her business, like, totally blew up, and now she mostly yeah. uses just her business. She doesn't really use her personal page much anymore. Like, she doesn't really do content creation anymore, like, and she's just trans over, transitioned over to her business, but, like, she is in every video of her business so like she mm. has kind of become her brand the brand um, yeah. yeah which and again I think it's worked out so well for her because people like her so they want yeah. to support her you know so I don't think you need to have a separate brand but like I think and I think all brands need to have some personality yeah you know? oh yeah oh yeah I tell my clients all the time like I know because I mean I hate being on video and I tell them all the time like you know someone is gonna remember the business where they can put a face to the name yep, over 100%. someone that they don't but it's just crazy to me because I I mean there's like these huge design agencies in like New York that you have no clue who owns them like they ha just have mm -hmm. a super basic website no right. personality but like they're super successful but I think it's like more of our generation that it's becoming really yep. important to be able to put a face to the name so I mean I you know I get on our stories and I put my story on our website and things like that so yeah, I think just when you like sitting behind a computer and designing all day, you don't necessarily <laughs> want to like put your face out there. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, you know, like, again, like that might be something you would batch, you know, like you're one day where you just got to deal with getting on camera, you do your hair and makeup, just get them all done. Oh, yeah. And then you have videos for the whole week. I do that all the time on TikTok. So yeah. And again, I'm literally wearing the same outfit in seven oh, okay. days worth of videos. And I'm just like, what is someone going to like, call me out for batch creating right. my content like you're still getting the content what do you care <laughs> I was gonna say last week I tried doing that and I like changed my outfit like five times and I'm like how do people do this all the time I used to do it I used to change my outfit and then I just stopped one day because I was like who cares you're still getting the same video like right and it's not like me. the same person's gonna see all of those videos yeah. so they won't know right. yeah exactly exactly yeah but yeah, I do think it's important for a brand to have some personality, but cool. Okay. Well, that was so much fun. I really yeah. appreciate you coming on. It's, it's so funny because like every time Marissa and I get together, like this is kind of the conversations that we already <laughs> <Yeah>. have. <laughs> we could so talk for like, hours about it. Yeah. 
I'm like, just bring it on the podcast. Cause I think again, like you have a lot of really awesome experience and, and tips and things like that to offer. So I hope everyone got something really awesome from this episode. Where can everyone find you? Yeah. So risecreativeco.com is our website with Cultivate. It'll take you to the Cultivate page. So that's cultivatebrands.co. And then on social media, we're at Rise Creative Co or at Cultivate Brands. Perfect. Yeah. And I'll have all of this linked in wherever you're watching this. So <laughs> it'll all be linked for you there to go check out Marissa's page, her business. Again, I have personally used her for many aspects of my business. So she comes 10 out of 10 recommended <laughs> from me. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on. And I, I don't know, we'll have to get together soon. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. I hope you love this episode. Don't forget to give us a review and also give us a follow on social media. You can find us at kbousk, K-B-O-U-S-Q, and at your social mate, S-O-U-L, show (laughs) mate. We'll see you guys next time.